Oh my god, 22. The zone is amazing. This is where all human souls enter when they're at their creative peaks. What, what's this area? Oh, this is where the Atlantic 10 zone is. Andrew Nicholson, Jack Gibbs, Jameer Nelson Sr., Ladarian Griffin when he lost his shoe that one time. I've seen the best here. Wow, cool. I actually studied music theory at Temple back when they were in the A-10. But it's not just the best of the best here. <laughs> Check it out. I've been messing with this team for decades. And Fordham loses another game! Alright, alright. But I only see 13 teams here. Where's Dayton? Well, you have to have a soul here, and Dayton fans, they don't have souls. Ah, okay, makes sense. What's this cloud next to St. Bonaventure? Oh, that's SB Unfurled and Friends, Joe. It's this podcast that kind of riffs off SNL and the Bodega Boys by doing a cold open that has nothing to do with basketball. It's not very funny. They just lean on this one guy's fake Boston accent for Mark Schmidt. Hey, we're in it now! SB Unfurled and Friends, episode 18. This was not sponsored by Disney+. Plus. Welcome everybody to episode 18 of SB Unfurled and Friends. We're legal now, 18, how about that? Wilbon X here with SB Unfurled. Unfurled, we just got to get right into it off the top. The biggest news all St. Bonaventure fans are talking about after last weekend. Mark Schmidt may or may not be going to Boston College. This is... (laughs) This is this is what was going through the minds of every Bona fan when Kyle Lofton hit that shot. The first reaction you saw on Twitter is Mark Schmidt going to Boston College next year. See, I thought he was going to Clemson football because Dabo Swinney's going to get fired after their big loss in the uh, in the uh, not the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl. But um, no, he we can had do both. He can do both. <laughs> That's true. There was one UMass fan on Twitter, our good friend Sage. He was on in uh, March with us. He uh, had the bright idea of like, oh, Mark Schmidt's going to go to BC at the end of the season. It's like, no, nah, he's interviewed there twice. It's not happening, man. <laughs> no, yeah. And, and I I mean, this is just absurd that we're still talking about this. But, uh, you know, I mean, Schmidt, especially after this year, he's recruited. We have nine juniors. He's recruited and developed all of them. He's not going to jump ship before their, their senior year. I mean, it's just, you know, I can't believe we're doing this again after a big one. But we here we are, you know. Yeah, here we are. Here we are talking about it right off the top um, after a, uh, a a comfortable win, I think, for the Bonnies on Saturday. I wasn't pretty. I wasn't stressed at all during that. Were you? Not really. No. Uh, <laughs> no. No. Not at all. I wasn't mad about you know the the travel call on Lofton. I knew I knew that you know Golden would end up missing one of two, and that we would hit a hit a game winner. I, if we're settling for a three pointer, I'm always happy with that, especially when we were like one of nine from three. Um, you know, the shot went up. It's one of those where he takes the shot and you don't like it when it leaves his hand necessarily just because of, you know, we've been kind of cold jump shooting. Let's, you know, let's not, uh, let's not pretend we've been, uh, you know, the, the golden state warriors of 2015 out there this year from, from shooting, but Hey, 
you got a guy like Kyle Lofton, uh, just uh, you know, a stud. Uh, he's got he's got onions, man. So I guess I can't be too mad that that we took a three there instead of attacking. If you got a guy like Lofton, you know, uh, I, I would have been comfortable with maybe even Welch taking that shot the way Holmes is playing for sure. But Lofton's our captain. He's our guy. He's our quarterback out there. So you know, I was I was fine with it. Yeah, same. It reminded me of the shot he hit against. Duquesne at well Robert Morris I guess it was at Robert Morris yeah. last year mm-hmm. I mean there was a little more time left on the clock in that game but it was the same kind of iso ball where eh, I, it makes you nervous at the time but yeah. if he's yeah. gonna be willing to step up and hit those man and they did a great uh double screen on that play because I believe Oshun was the first screen and yeah. then Welch was the second and that got Gilliard off of uh Kyle Lofton and then Francis was there, even though I said, <laughs> I screamed when after he hit the shot, I was like, Gilliard eye hole. And then there was a Richmond <laughs> fan who was like, well, actually Gilliard wasn't on him. And I'm like, and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I still stand by it. <laughs> but they, but that double screen happened. And so like Francis was on loft and then that gave just enough separation on the double screen to uh, yeah. open up loft in there. Yeah, it did. Uh, and you know, Gilliard and, and Francis both, like, I think Gilliard's like five ten. Francis is six feet. It, they don't have those big guards like a St. Louis or even like a Davidson has to get out and, you know, get a, get a hand in your face if you're elevating a little bit. So Lofton found a little space. He was feeling it. He was confident. And man, that it was a, it was a smooth look. It was a, it was a good shot. And I, I didn't hear this before the game or after at the end, I didn't hear this at the end of the game. Um, didn't Rothstein pluck his T-shirt for Mark Schmidt after the game? Did I <laughs> he miss did that? It. I missed he that. He did it on. He did it online. I don't know. I was running around my living room screaming like <laughs> a maniac, pounding on the walls, like you know, beer falling off onto the floor. I wasn't even watching like the post-game broadcast just because I was I was so amped up. But I did see him tweet it after. Like you deserve this, Olean, and with like a picture of his mar- <laughs> for some reason is in the shirts like maroon and gold. It's like Florida State colors. It's not even brown. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this guy doesn't miss an opportunity to sell a T-shirt. Hey, maybe that's a very subtle troll for 2012 in the NCAA tournament. He knows that he yeah. lost to Florida State, and that's why it's those colors because it makes no sense. Or Boston College. Maybe he maybe he has Ooh. inside info. Mark Schmidt, more with less. He's getting ready to sell those at Boston College as well. They're, they're maroon and gold. Yeah. He'll have to make it say more with less instead of more. <laughs> if he goes to BC. <laughs> yeah. BC has been less with more, actually, the last however many years. Pretty much. Um, but getting away from the final shot, um, we controlled the lead. Very, a very small mm-hmm. lead. We only led by six, but we led most of the game. I believe the announcer said we only led for, or Richmond only led for four minutes. So what do you think was kind of key to that? It kind of reminded me of the Richmond game last year. I mean, I think I feel like Francis took a lot of shots, but he wasn't hitting. We've done a, a great job on Grant Golden, those double teams in certain instances with, with Oshun and then guys stepping off on Golden. We've held Gilliard in check the last couple of years, and we just have a really balanced team. So I I don't see our team getting blown out. I mean, unless maybe it's St. Louis like last year, I don't see this team getting blown out because we have so many guys who are capable of hitting shots and someone's going to catch fire at some point. It's not like those teams who are reliant on one or two guys. We have so many guys who can do 
good things out there. And then our defense, I mean, defense travels, you shouldn't have an, uh, an off night if you have a good defense and that's what we have. So we have the makeup of a team that's not going to get blown out and it's going to play all of these good teams close. Yeah. I'm looking at the stats right now. Blake Francis was three of 10 from three. He was seven of 15. So he didn't have a bad shooting night, but three of 10 from three. I will take deep, yeah. three of 10. I'll take 30% out of him any night. Um, yeah. Gilliard was only one of six from three. Tyler Burton was two of six from three, but he, uh, he had some foul trouble there. Um, he's gonna he's gonna yeah. be a monster for the next two years when we play them again. But I really think it gets back to Golden because when I watch Richmond play other teams, Grant Golden has way more range around the court and is able to do way more stuff. I don't know what secret recipe Schmidt has. Uh, he's got <laughs> the eleven herbs and spices there to uh, just stop him. Like because Golden just looks like a completely different player when I see him play us. The secret recipe is a 6'10 defensive freak with a 7'8 wingspan, I think, down low. <laughs> I mean, Oshun is just such a defensive presence that he gives guys like Golden trouble. You know, the guys Oshun struggles with more, I think, are the Hassan Frenches of the league, not so much the a little bit more finesse guys who kind of stretch the floor. And, and Golden, you know, if he catches the ball, it, it looked like he wanted no part of being down low with Oshun to me. And, and I think that it, it's easy to make a good defensive game plan for a, a big guy like that. If you have Oshun, you know, it would be a much different story if, if we were trotting out your average, you know, six, nine, six, 10, eight, 10, five. I don't want to say there was a lot of criticism of Oshun in this game, but I did see some people that were concerned about him on offense. And I do agree mm-hmm. that like he, he needs to finish a l- little bit better at the rim when it comes to uh, some of those plays that he had against Richmond, especially. Yeah. But he was so good on defense on yeah. Saturday. And I think it was not even just the typical Oshun five blocks or whatever. Like he only had one block, but I thought oh. he had an incredible defensive performance, 11 boards on defense and uh, yeah. only two fouls. So I will yeah. take that from him. To go along with that defensively, another thing that we that we get into a little bit with our guest today, um, but I do want to bring it up again real quick because I did think about it and it's just so true. Like, Attaway and Welch are 6'5", and going into this game, you know, KO for Richmond and Burton for Richmond are 6'7", and they even Burton can stretch the floor and shoot threes. I thought that could be a little bit of a challenge for us because they did have more size, but Attaway and Welch are are playing great, you know, defense all around basketball right now, and they play bigger than 6'5", super athletic. Welch, before getting his second foul, he only played nine minutes. He already had seven rebounds. So, so a little bit of an underestimated aspect of Welch's game, I think. And, and we just controlled the glass, which was really good to see because in that Rhode Island game, we were getting dominated on the board. So it was good to see us bounce back like that. Yeah, and I th- we get into it with uh, our friend, like you mentioned, about Tyler Burton's foul trouble. But Welch was also in a little bit of foul trouble, especially earlier on in the first half. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you could argue that Tyler Burton, if he didn't have foul trouble, Richmond could win. But if we had Dom Welch, not in foul trouble. Maybe we would have won by like eight or nine. So, you know, you can play that game in several different ways. I mean, I saw some ticky tack fouls called on Gillier that shouldn't have been called, but I also mm-hmm. saw some on Lofton that shouldn't have been called. So you can play that game anytime. <laughs> and it looked like Lofton was on his way to playing in a 40 minute game. Uh, but he uh, it was another one. He picked up his fourth foul with, I think, n- nine or 10 minutes left. And he had to sit out for five minutes down the stretch, though. And we, we did a good enough job, you know, staying in the game without Lawson. And I think that's where Anthony Roberts comes in. He, he is such a good addition for us. Um, he's been 
much more impressive, like underneath on the glass. And I thought he would be, I thought he was kind of just a scorer, but he's been getting some offensive boards. He's fighting underneath for loose balls. Uh, and when Lofton is in foul trouble or needs a break, Anthony Roberts can come in and run the point, which is, which is what we need. And it's not necessarily what we've had consistently since, you know, even going back to like Jay Adams days. Yeah, it's true. And I'm glad or not really glad that you brought up Anthony Roberts because for everybody listening, um, unfurled Chucky Maggio and I were in a, a, a group DM on Twitter and at halftime I said to them something to the effect of, you know, Anthony Roberts has been playing really well. Maybe by the end of February, I could possibly see him replacing Jaron Holmes in the starting lineup. And I don't know if it was you or Chucky who said it to somebody in the locker room, but Holmes must have heard it. And then he came out of the locker room on fire. I mean, he really kept us when we when I believe it was Francis at the, the three at the right at the buzzer of, of halftime. Yeah. He got us back the lead and kind of kept us at a little bit of a distance from Richmond. So, yeah, but that's nothing to take away from Holmes. Cause I mean, he was fighting back spasms and, and, you know, God bless him for, for that performance. But I, yeah. I am impressed with Anthony Roberts still. Yeah. Holmes, the clear player of the game. And I asked that after, after the game and like everyone said, Jaron Holmes and going into that game. I mean, he, he had been struggling a little bit, I think obviously didn't get to play against Rhode Island, but um, you know, he came out and, it's it's so obvious. I mean, we just don't win that game if Holmes can't can't go. If he woke up Saturday and the back spasms were still there and he couldn't go or wasn't a hundred percent, we're not beating Richmond. I mean, he was he was phenomenal out there, and I think he Schmidt just trusts him so much. Uh, he's such a tough kid, good kid, and team captain for a reason. I don't think that starting position's in jeopardy. Uh, I don't fault no. you for thinking that at all, but because Roberts <laughs> has been has been fine too. One thing I'll add, though, more important than starting the game, who's finishing the game? It was tight then down the stretch. In the last five minutes, Roberts was on the floor. So I'm sure if you ask him, you'd rather be in for the last five minutes than the first five minutes. And uh, he was in for Attaway versus Richmond. I think Attaway will probably play down the stretch for most matchups, but it's just going to depend. It's going to depend on the matchups and the personnel, who's out there and what we need in that moment and Schmidt thought we needed Robert. So he was out there for the last five minutes and that shows that he's going to have a huge role on our team and Schmidt trusts him a lot. Lofton settles for the deep three. Wow. <laughs> How about that? The junior left me off the first team. Take that. What a bucket with three seconds to go. Totally. It comes down to those matchups. And we kind of alluded to Rhodey a little bit. I don't want to talk about them, especially after <laughs> this game. Because <laughs> we had such a... I don't want to say we had a great performance. I, th- I believe like both Richmond and Bonas didn't exactly play their A games, but they were both pretty mm-hmm. equal. Um, yeah. But Rhodey and Bonas were both equally terrible on yes. Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, uh, we're, we're recording this part Sunday night and Rhodey just squeaked out an overtime win over St. Joe's who, yeah, they're, they're better than 0 seven because they played some tough games, but they're, they're not a good team. Rhodey should not be taking them to overtime at home, even without fans. But I guess between Richmond and Rhodey, we're kind of getting the first taste of life after Justin Winston, even though he didn't really play too much. The first two games would have, mm. what do you, it kind of goes to back to what we were talking about with Roberts and Attaway. How do you think, how do you think we're doing so far without Winston? I don't see too much of a change, to be honest. I mean, I think, you know, Winston only played at five minutes that first game, and then I think it might have been up to nine, ten, maybe even up to 12 minutes. 
uh, against Hofstra. He just, he had so much offensive potential and you could really see it in spurts last year. But in order to play in Schmidt's system, you got to know the, the, the defensive sets. You need to know your assignments. You can't get lost. You cannot be a liability on the defensive end of the floor. If you are, you're just not going to get time. And I, I mean, I was hoping that maybe that was the the area that he would improve on from last year to this year was the defensive end because <laughs> last year it was pretty bad. And I, I've said it before, that four spot between him and Plunus costed us games. Uh, like that home game against Duquesne comes to mind. Schmidt was just looking. You could see him just trying to figure out what lineup to put out there. And at times I was even like put Carpenter out there at the four last year because um, we just weren't getting it done in that position. And I just still think this year they couldn't really rely on him or trust him. Um, so I, I, I'm sad he's gone. I wish it would have worked out, uh, but he's in the transfer portal now. And, you know, that means Adaway is going to have to be even more important for us this year. I really wish Carpenter didn't transfer because yeah, I know. A, I thought he was, you know, I thought he had raw potential last season in his limited minutes. And then B, we're going to need somebody bigger than 6'5 against St. Louis because I I think Richmond and Bonas are two teams that are styled like the NBA is now, which is a good thing because that's, you know, what recruits want to play for. They want to shoot threes. They want to run up and down the court, uh, aggressive defense around the perimeter. Yeah, but St. Louis is a little bit more of that old style. Like I think of the old Big East with like Syracuse, Georgetown, UConn, big guys down low, and yep. the, right now they're the class of the A10. So I'm yep. not saying we're far ahead of ahead of uh, Richmond. They can easily beat us any given night, but we sh- we have to be focused on how do we beat St. Louis because mm-hmm. if we can beat St. Louis, we can beat anybody else, and that's why I'm kind of like I'd take Carpenter, or maybe maybe I'd even take Boca Bobby back. <laughs> and yeah, especially Carpenter. Definitely Boca Bobby. Boca Bobby, I would take back. Maybe other Bobbies, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boca Bobby for sure. Absolutely. Um, and even Dinosaur Barbecue. He had a pretty good game in Rochester, too. <laughs> uh, but I mean, we've played small ball before in 2018. You know, our best lineup was Griffin at the five, and Griffin's really like six, seven. And Stockard was at the four at six, five. So if we can do it with Griffin inside, I mean, he was a phenomenal defender and athletic freak, but um, we can definitely do it with Oshun, you know, one of the best, yeah. probably, the, I mean, the best defensive big in the league, I would say. I mean, Hassan French and Michael Hughes are up there as well, but Oshun just changes the game. And he, him alone, he he will let you do things that you m- most teams in the A-10 can't do. So we can probably get away with playing a little smaller at the four just because of Oshun out there. Um, and I, I, I just think that he, he masks a lot of those things, but like you said, it would be great to have a big, you know, six, eight defensive rebounding four out there for 10 to 15 minutes a game. And maybe Shaw will prove that he can be more than just an ocean backup because I've been impressed with his limited minutes so far, even more so than Carpenter. And we got one, two, three, four, five more games until we play St. Louis. You know, it's currently yeah. scheduled for 23rd, but St. Louis is actually on a COVID pause. So who knows what'll happen because Duquesne and GW had to play back-to-back games this past weekend. And, uh-huh. you know, who knows how the schedule will kind of have a domino effect as we saw even in the NFL. But if it's all going according to plan, that's still like plenty of games for Shaw to potentially prove that, hey, maybe in this particular matchup without Winston, we do actually try putting out the shaw Oshun lineup to contest with French. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I've been impressed with Shaw. 
so far. Yeah. No, I fully agree with you, everything you said. Um, and one thing I do want to add, too, because you're bringing up the St. Louis game, we are still supposed to have a game against St. Louis in the Riley Center that's to be determined. I don't see the A-10 playing that game on March 6th. I think now that St. Louis is on pause and, and more teams are going on pause, like VCU is going to have a domino effect now. I think like Duquesne had to do against GW, and you brought this up too, I think that we're going to play a back-to-back in St. Louis. I, I really do. And my first reaction was, damn, that sucks. Yeah, Having to play them back-to-back. But after thinking about it, I'm seeing all these other teams do this, um, all these other games where they're playing back-to-back, and you just saw it with GW and Duquesne today. Almost all of them are split. Like It must be really tough to just beat the same team twice in two days. Duquesne is... I think significantly better than George Washington and GW just beat them uh, in their second game in two days. So if we want to split with St. Louis, it's weird to say this. The best bet might be to do that back to back and try to catch them on, you know, a second, a second game in two days instead of having them rolling in March and coming to the Riley center. I don't know. That's just a thought that's going through my head. Maybe I'm trying to just be optimistic, but that's a thought I had. It's not as if we're giving up a huge home court advantage, right? Um, because there's no fans. I mean, yeah, it's a yeah, pain exactly. for St. Louis, for St. Louis of all teams to be traveling to Olean after they had the uh, drunk bus driver that one year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, it, I agree. Like, I, if, if GW can do it, we'll get into GW a little bit later because we're going to preview them in St. Joe's this upcoming week. But GW mm-hmm. is not. We we put to uh, we put the dirt on the grave for GW way too early. I think. <laughs> yeah, they've beat. Well, they obviously beat Duquesne on Sunday, and then I aren't. I think they're two and one. They beat uh, who else did they beat? They are two and one. Yeah, they beat uh, Fordham and Fordham. Okay, Duquesne. well that doesn't count. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, well, they, <laughs> hey, they're they're currently tied for second place with yeah. Sal and Rhodey. <laughs> Speaking of GW Fordham, and we mentioned St. Joe's. I mean, Rhode Island had no business winning that game against St. Joe's. There's a pretty bad foul call on Fats Russell at the end of the game. He got three free throws. Of course, there was. Ask UMass fans if that's ever happened to them before. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, true. Last year, horrible. <laughs> I'm furious about that because I was on UMass in that game. But <laughs> and that, that call that call was against the rookie of the year, Trey Mitchell, wasn't it? Not just the 0 and 6 yeah. St. Joe's Hawks on the road. But I mean, our next three games. Coming up, home against St. Joe's, they're 0-7. Home against GW, they are not good. I don't care if they're 2-1, they're not a good team this year. And then on the road against Fordham, who is looks like the worst team in the entire country. Oh, we have no oh, we have Fordham. no oh. we have no business not being what would it be? Four four and one, four to be one. honest. We have no business not being four and one. The way we looked against Richmond, the guys that we have, St. Joe's, GW, and Fordham. I, I know it's the A10 and weird stuff happens all the time. Um, trust me, I, I watched Dayton drop to LaSalle and some of these other upsets, but we, <laughs> we just got to, we have to roll off three straight here. I was going to say that was the game of the year until Bonnie's Richmond, because I really, from an object, as objective as I can be, Bonnie's Richmond will be a fun A10 final. Yeah, it, it will be. I, and, the, and UMass and George Mason went to double overtime too. Uh, in UMass and George Mason pulled that off. And then it looked like Mason was going to beat Dayton yesterday for a while. So, I mean, I get it. Weird stuff happens, but um, the Bonnie's got to roll off three straight here. And then I don't want to say play with house money against Duquesne. I would say play with house money against Richmond if they beat Duquesne, but uh, we got a big opportunity and the schedule really opens up for us. 
By the way, one final note that we got to get to before we go to our, our friend. We are now 69th in Kempom, yeah. and we scored 69 points against Richmond. What a nice performance, and what a nice season we're having so far. <laughs> Very nice. Double nice. I would like to be higher. Uh, <laughs> double nice, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be I'd rather be either six or nine in Ken Palm instead of sixty nine, but <laughs> it's too bad uh college players can't wear digits over five because you know like who who's one guy in the A ten that would wear number sixty nine just to be a just to be a dude bro? Who uh, do you think? Let's see. Because there's no like I don't think there's any like big dumb Gronk types in the A ten right now, is there? Like guys you just no. Have. no um like Ryan Daly, would he wear number sixty nine? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Daly is total. Ryan Daly would absolutely wear sixty nine <laughs> if he could. Um, I'm trying to think for the Bonnies. Um, I probably I Alejandro. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that would be a good one. It'd be so weird seeing a guard at sixty nine. I know. <laughs> yeah, a would. guard in basketball, not a guard in football, right? <laughs> yeah. Any any of those high numbers on, look so weird on guards. Like, uh, does isn't Marcus Smart like fifty five or something like that? Yeah, or the NBA, especially the Celtics, yeah. especially yeah. like the Celtics and Lakers, because they have so many retired numbers right. all over the place. <laughs> all right, well, let's go from one nice stat to one nice friend. There is a spider, 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 deep in my soul, soul. He's lived here for years. Just won't let go. He's laying around. He's got a mean bite. Now he's ready to fight. We would like to welcome back our next guest to SB Unfurled and Friends, a returning guest, Noah Goldberg from the Spider Scoop podcast. You may have heard him if you listened to our stuff before the. Uh, the A-10 tournament that got canceled, unfortunately, but you were part of our A-10 extravaganza. So, Noah, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. I am uh, not not drunk enough to do this podcast, but we're going to power <laughs> through it all the same. I am. We are, we are talking to Noah at 7.56 p.m. on Saturday, and I believe Kyle often hit that shot about 48 minutes ago or so. <laughs> How yeah, you feel? Feels like, it feels like 10 years ago by now. I'm already over it and moved on. <laughs> So, I mean, from your perspective, that game, from a neutral perspective, it was like a very big matchup because Bonnie's and Richmond were both top four teams coming into the season. From your perspective, how did what played out? Like, what did you, what did you make of what played out? Well, I was super nervous going into this one because, you know, we all know what's that five in a row now that Bonnie's got on Spidey. So we know it's yeah. just one of those teams, they have their number. And it's much how I feel about kind of Davidson, too, where with Richmond Davidson was a game everyone thought would be a toss-up Richmond have been struggling with the three-pointers and I'm like we've done really damn well in Belk and it's just one of those teams that even the matchup it just never scared me it felt like we had their number and much kind of how you guys have with ours the past few years so you know I mean after you guys struggled with Hofstra and then we lost to Hofstra you know that didn't make me feel great um but but I mean yeah you guys you know Jaron Holmes I mean man that guy his back looked fine tonight um, he was he was absolutely cooking. And at the end of the day, we just didn't hit shots. We didn't hit free throws well. Um, Grant played pretty well across the board, but wasn't that aggressive on scoring a lot. So credit to Kyle Lofton, man. That guy's not been shooting well from uh, from deep this year, but he came up big when it counted. 
Yeah. And I mean, you said it is five straight and you brought up like Davidson, you say is a good matchup for you guys, but it's a horrible matchup for us. I'm not even sure why Richmond is a good matchup for us as good as they have been. It seems like we have had their number and usually we kind of struggle against those balanced teams that have guys from, you know, a good guard, a good big, a good wing guys who can shoot um, definitely good three point shooting team. So I'm just, I'm not sure why we seem to have Richmond's number recently, but we, you know, we really do. And, and, Again, you guys have to come back to the Riley Center. We were just talking about it in less than a month, right? I think it's January 20th. Yep. So, I mean, how do you feel about, like, this? You did beat Davidson, and you did have a a good – at least you put together a non-conference schedule, unlike us, basically. So, how do you feel about – like, Bonaventure isn't a bad loss for you guys, but how do you feel about this this season in general and just the A-10 landscape at this point? Yeah, well, how much, how much does this loss hurt you <laughs> <laughs> emotionally or in the at large resume? We'll, we'll get into emotional oh. later, but you can talk about fi- like numerically. <laughs> okay, numerically, well, second loss. Obviously, it's their now second loss um, in the Robin Center, which is not exactly ideal. Um, and you know, I I think the at large resume, the at large bid right now is still in place, but puts a lot of pressure on you, right? Like they have St. Louis twice. VCU twice, even at home, those are going to be two really tough games. Like you guys said, got to go back to Olean, right? And you know that game wasn't as close as as the score indicated last year. Um, Blake Francis kind of ran it back up, so they, you know, it, this could be bad if you drop, you know, four games in the A10. I don't know if you get um, an at-large bid, and you know, like we said, they just lost Connor Crabtree for maybe three months. Andre Gustafson didn't play in this game. He's six four. He's their six man. He's one of their best wings defensively. Um, and, and like we said, right, like you guys were killing us hitting the lanes tonight. That's the exact kind of guy that could have helped you there. We don't know when he's coming back. So, so if you're Spidey, you know, the at-large is still there, but there's a lot of pressure right now. They can't afford home losses. And if you, if you, you know, if you get a Dayton LaSalle type game where Jameer Brickus comes out firing one night, you drop one to LaSalle, man, that's, that's going to be really tough to sneak into this tournament. No, that's true, and you don't want the goal standard behind you um, oh, getting no. on your ass. But um, <laughs> but what I've been fascinated about watching you guys, especially before the Bonnie's game, is um, Tyler Burton has really grown a lot this year, and he actually fouled out at the end of the game. Um, Bonnie's fans out there will love the tweet I had where I was like, oh, um, normally we're used to a Bonnie getting kicked out of the Burton, not Burton getting kicked out of the Bonnie's game. Um, he was hitting some threes early on how do you think his foul trouble played into uh, the Bonnie's ultimately winning? Yeah, I think, you know, it was, it was huge. And, and, you know, like you said, that guy, he's a beast on the boards. Um, He had hit a couple early threes for them and and a night where, you know, I think what were we like six of 24 or something like that from deep. They were, I know below 30% um, took over 20 looks. So that's a guy, whether it's trying to get a shot at the end of the game um, and more so protecting the lanes, you know, that's, I mean, it absolutely killed them and it's, I don't want to say it was a bogus call, but it was kind of a bogus call. I think the foul was um, pretty clearly on Gilliard, but you know, when Lofton gets off a shot like that, you have six foot tall, Blake Francis um, closing out on him. Maybe somehow they get switched on six, seven Tyler Burton closing out on him. It's a little bit harder to get that that shot off. So when Burton comes out of the game and now you're missing Gustafson, you know, it's going to make it really hard for you to, there's going to be one guy that's going to leave that shot open because Sal Caressi is going to be too slow to close out on guys. If you bring him in, same thing with Matt Grace. You're not really trusting Isaiah Wilson, the freshman at this point. So, 
it's it, it's a tough matchup, and and that really killed them there at the end. What are what did you think about the the travel call in Lofton, and then like the last possession? What's going through your head when Schmidt calls a timeout? Is there a guy that you don't want to take the shot because, like you said, Lofton has been pretty cold. We have been cold as a team. I wanted us to attack the basket. The last thing I would have signed up for is a long three pointer. Uh, isolation three-pointer. So, like, what's going through your head? Take us into a Richmond fan's mind in that last possession during that timeout. Oh, fuck. That's what's going through my head. <laughs> <laughs> Always. No. Yeah. I mean, that was when what was going through our heads, too. When it's tied and you don't have the ball, it does suck. I, I, I yeah. We've been there before, too. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, it was tough. You know, Richmond certainly had a chance to – to run some more time off the clock. Obviously Grant takes the foul. You're going to take the foul. Um, but, but yeah, that, that hurts. And they didn't shoot free throws. Grant goes one of two at the line, you know, not like it mattered because Lofton hits a three, but I mean, at the same time, you know, you only have to get a two versus a three. You have to get the ball up full court. So it probably doesn't matter that much anyways, but no, I mean, what's going through my head at that moment is it's going to be really hard to get a stop. You know, it felt like I know Bonna kind of went on a drought there with, maybe like three or four minutes left. They want a couple minutes without scoring. Um, but, but yeah, even though Kyle Lofton hadn't been hitting threes this year, like we all know he's the guy, like we know at the end of the game, like that's the guy you want the ball in his hands and was a little bit afraid of, of Holmes, just the way he had been shooting the ball and he had been playing. He was like seven of 12 from the field, but at the end of the day, Lofton's their guy and he could be a first teamer um, in the a 10. So that's the last guy you want taking that shot. Um, you know, it was pretty deep, but I mean, Blake closed down on, but that's the thing their spiders have been struggling with is, game after game and it didn't feel like tonight you guys killed us in the second half with threes i know you're a little bit better in the second half but that's i don't know how much you followed it this has been a storyline for richmond they've went i don't know if the stats still good but they want to stretch starting with like maybe vanderbilt where they were giving opponents like double the amount of three pointers in second halves versus first half so just consistently letting them get shots off um so that's the last shot you want to give them and that's all because blake francis and jacob gilliard were getting criticized for not hedging screens hard enough and really getting shot over by taller guys. And that's exactly what happened. Six foot tall. Blake Francis gives up the three to Lofton and nothing but onions, man. It was tough. So what did you make of the, what I think is like an NBA style matchup between Lofton and Gilliard? Because what, what I was watching it, I felt like Lofton was a little bit tentative through most of the first half and stuff because he didn't want to get stolen by Gilliard mm. because Gilliard's obviously incredible at stealing the ball. But of course at the end, Lofton hits that shot. What did you make of that matchup? Because that's one of the best matchups in the A-10 between Lofton and Gilliard. Yeah, no, I was super excited for it. I mean, like you said, you know, the guy leads the nation in steals, right? Like, of course, you're going to be a little bit worried about the hands. Um, I, I don't know if, you know, I, I did think Lofton actually was a little bit tentative, especially in that first half. I'm not sure he necessarily should have been because, yeah, Jacob Gilliard's a great on-ball defender and he will pick your pocket, but he picks up a lot of steals you know, coming around weak side on, on a big man and, and getting them blindside. Some of his steals are coming on ball, but I wouldn't say the vast majority of them are him getting up in your face. He gets a lot of them, you know, kind of reading the passing lanes, a lot of them coming weak side. Um, so so I, th I thought maybe Loft, that's maybe why you probably saw him play a little bit better in the second half. Maybe he got comfortable um, with that. But no, I, I was excited. Gilliard had a, a pretty rough game um, from an offensive standpoint the last time out. I think he maybe only had five points. So he wasn't that efficient tonight. Um, 13 points and I was excited I really wanted to see him find his shot he's been really on and off and basically going back to the start of conference play last year he had been shooting almost like 40 percent from three through non-conference hit conference play last year and ever since conference play last year he's been like below 30 percent from deep 
So this is a guy we all think of Jacob Gillard as a really great three-point shooter. He's not really in a slump. We we basically have two now conference start of conference slate, a non-conference and a full conference slate of him really struggling from deep. So this is a game he goes one of six from deep. You know, when you're showing up against Loft and Bright Lights, that's a game you wanted to see him show up a little bit more, I think, from shooting. Top three in the A-10, St. Louis, Richmond, St. Bonaventure. Is there anyone in that in that top three that you would put ahead of those teams right now? I, I think you still have to stay with those three, but I think I think you have to watch VCU. I mean, that's a team that if they can stay consistent, if I think if Keyshawn Curry, I know he's coming off injury a little bit, and that was a guy early in the year, you saw shoot the ball a little bit better than he had um, it, it through the first few years of his career. So that's a team with a really high upside. I'm really big on Bones Highlands, and he particularly, this is why I say I don't put him ahead of Richmond, but particularly in matchup-wise, he killed Richmond last year. When they went into um, the Siegel Center, I mean, I want to say he started 4-4 four four from deep. He was stepping back on him. He may have led VCU in scoring that game, and I, and I know for a fact he played less than 25 minutes. And now it's his team. He's killing it this year. Um, and and obviously, Ace Baldwin is just freaking phenomenal. You wish you could bump him up to a sophomore right now. So I, I think VCU is probably four, and I'd agree. Those are the top three. I think it's pretty clear Dayton is not in that top three at this point. And St. Louis is the team to beat, man. You think about a matchup, right? I mean, that is the worst possible matchup for Richmond. Um, not about having one big center in Hassan French, but the fact that they can play big and physical across their five guys, um, you know, maybe besides Javante Perkins is, is pretty scary for the Spiders. I had us in the bottom three after the Rhode Island game. Now I have us in the top three. That's what, that's our knee jerk reaction here on this podcast. Who's well, in your bottom three right now in the conference? VCU. Uh, Dayton. Um, <laughs> no, I, I honestly, it's probably, I mean, it's obviously Fordham and then, I mean, G probably GW and, uh, I don't know. Probably LaSalle at, at the end oh, of the day. I don't know. I'm looking at the Mason, score right now. I mean, Mason, <laughs> Mason, I don't know. I don't know. G, probably GW Fordham LaSalle. Let's be honest. Who else are you putting in the, there? I'm looking at the score oh, right Joe's. now. St. Joe's. I forgot about St. Joe's. Maybe St. Joe's. I'm looking at the score right now. 78-43 LaSalle over Fordham. I don't, I think they're, I don't know if it's, I think it's only fans. I think it's a goal standard. Just pushing them over the, uh, the, the, pillow fighter standard there um yeah but uh just getting back to our matchup a little bit because this is also a little bit of a preview of the game that we're going to have on the 20th the last three times that the bonnies and richmond have played i've noticed that grant golden just almost doesn't look like the same player as when i see him watch other or play against other teams and i think it's because of how we double him so what do you make of grant golden whenever he faces off against the bonnies yeah, it's that's a really interesting one, right? Because this is a guy where it's it, everything runs through him, and I think the games like I look at West Virginia particularly, where games where Richmond's offense really doesn't flow, and the the two biggest things are like you said, the double teams, whether or not he's passing out of them well or not, but also just making that that initial entry pass hard on him, and those are when you see him really struggle. Is very often Richmond likes to go in first pass to him, right back out, and then the second pass back into him the second time is when you'll see him really go to work and that's when he gets aggressive and so against West Virginia Sheebway was on him and was just making that first entry pass extremely difficult so sometimes he wasn't getting a second catch and and I don't know you know it didn't really feel like they were having trouble getting the entry into him but whatever it was he definitely wasn't getting good position tonight so maybe you're not getting the entry because of that in the first place um like you said I mean you know he had less than 10 shots in the game he had seven points and I like what he did the difference that he didn't do against West Virginia he turned the ball over a lot he's been turning it over a lot more lately 
I didn't see him do that tonight. He facilitated well. He had a few assists. Um, but but I think Oshun really makes it tough on him um, with that entry. And I think particularly, I was really surprised in the post with Nate Kale. I really didn't think you guys had a good matchup for him as a second big. I thought that was a guy that could have exposed. But whether it was Holmes or Attaway, whoever was on him in the paint, I really thought your wings were matching up well with him in the post, which you know makes it that much harder for Grant because now it's it, you're more comfortable double-teaming him knowing that you've got a 6'5 guy locking up the other guy in the post. So I think that had a big thing to do with it too. Yeah, we and I've said this before, Welch 6'5", Attaway 6'5", they were going to be be matched up against KO and and Burton, who are both six seven. Not only six yep. seven, but Burton can stretch the floor. He's a good rebounder. I said before the game, I thought Burton was a bad matchup for us, and then even KO, I thought. But I have said this before. I even said this like yesterday or a couple of days ago. Welch and Attaway play bigger than six five. I think they're very good defenders. They're athletic. They're good rebounders. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. They they did step up, and I I think we we were all thinking before the game as Bonifans, fans, Welch and Attaway have to have very good defensive days if we're going to win this game. And I thought they did pretty well. Yeah, and I, and I think the biggest thing is like what you said there, right? Is from a matchup standpoint on paper, right? Like that was my thinking is they just don't have size. Like who's going to guard Nate? Who's going to guard Tyler? But like you said, those guys also play bigger than they are that they've been able to do this in the past. And when you look at for Tyler, yes, he's six seven, but he really isn't going to go. You know, he's not going to put his back to you and, and back you down. He doesn't have a great touch in the post. A lot of his points are coming from second chance points. Um, coming from cuts he's cleaning stuff up obviously hitting threes so from that perspective it, it maybe it maybe that was a good matchup for those smaller guys just because he's not gonna put his ass in your chest and back you down um so when you take him and you put him out in the wing and then you make him drive he's still a sophomore so he'll he picks up a lot of charges believe it or not i don't think he had any tonight um but but that that's a guy that's really not going to put you in the post so may, maybe that's on him for not trying to take more advantage of that tonight so what do you think it's going to take in the next uh, few weeks before we play you guys again for you to avoid it becoming a six game losing streak to the Bonnies? <laughs> oh man. Um, probably this should take some more Adderall before the game. Um, that could help one, <laughs> maybe having Andre Gustafson healthy. Yeah. So I guess Advil Adderall uh, will add Advil <laughs> to it. And then maybe Xanax for me, because if I have to deal with a last shot like that again on the final possession, so we're hitting the pharmacy is what we need to do before this final game. <laughs> You need some Russians on the team if you're gonna get all these pills. I know <laughs> all these right? pills and doping that you're doing. <laughs> Seriously, no. But I mean, really, they just—it's tough. They're not deep. You lose Sherrod, you lose Crabtree, you lose, um, you know, Andre. I mean, they just have no wing depth at all whatsoever. So, you know, out, outside of Sal Caressi, they're really not getting meaningful minutes off the bench. So, if you see the shots go cold and you don't have another score you can switch to when you're cutting off the lane, I mean, they just need to get healthy, and there's nothing else you can really do about it. You can make a trade then. If you're saying you don't have wing depth, we have a ton of wing depth. We don't have depth at the four. If you can make a trade between Bonas and Richmond, let's call it all the starters, 10 starters. Who are you Who are you trading? Okay. So <laughs> make, let's see. Are you guys, I, would you take Sal Caressi as your power forward? If I, no, if we, if we, starters what, only. not as a starter, not as a starter. I, I would as take him starter. as a backup, but not as a starter. I, <laughs> Honestly, I, I hate to say Nate because he's been so efficient this year. He had a double-double tonight, but I, I feel like you got to trade Nate for 
I love Welch and Holmes. I feel like you got to trade them for Holmes. Like they really just need a wing score like that, a guy that can shoot the ball and and do it at a high percent, right? Like he was seven of twelve. Obviously, Blake Francis is going to get you buckets, but he's not always that efficient. Um, seven of fifteen tonight. Gilliard was five of thirteen. So it, as much as I love Nate, I think you can make up for what he does defensively a lot. And like you said, right, Holmes and and Attaway and Welch and those guys play bigger than they are. So I think he can, you know, make up for that size difference with Ko. So I'd probably trade Ko for Holmes. Correct answer take- was Mooney for Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, man. You're not Just wrong. Rostein no, I- got the shirt out real fast <laughs> no. after that game. Oh, Mooney, that ruined it. That ruined it. Uh, Mooney's gotten a lot of shit he didn't deserve. I, I don't think he's a bad coach at all, but I'm just I'm just busting your chops. I, I do I say- do I have had some gripes with him though. There are some times he's he's he left two timeouts on the board at the end of the game. He's uh I don't know. He's sometimes he just lets these teams go on runs and it's been pissing me off a little bit this year. I, I need more Mooney techs. I need him to fire these guys up. We <laughs> had him on gonna- <laughs> the refs can actually see what he's saying if he's like not too loud because he's got the clear mask so he can like read his lips <laughs> yeah it's I, we, we had him on the preseason thing it was him and nick Sherrod, and we asked nick we said an over under two and a half text for mooney this year and we asked nick in front of chris if he'd hit it and he took the under which i thought was really <laughs> soft to do but we he's almost soft. got one this year there was one where he came soft. up and ran but i feel like when there's no fans there like you can't say anything that bad so they're not going to get that fired up because the ref going <laughs> to hear everything you say he would probably take the over now that he's not technically like he's on the team, but he's technically not playing. So I think he would take the over now if he was being really honest. It's kind of like truth serum. Oh yeah. No, 100%. <laughs> and by the way, with that trade, I would take at, or you said uh, KO for Holmes. Mm-hmm. I would only take that trade. If you threw in uh, Chris Mooney's hairstylist. <laughs> it's funny hey, you say that. I saw there was an old fresh. picture of him. There was an old picture of him from like when he coached at air force back in the day. And his hair looked the exact same then as it does now. It's just a little <laughs> bit grayer, but the flow is phenomenal. I mean, it's, you know, it's not my flow, but it's like it looks, for, for an old guy, it's solid. It looks exactly like Rick Astley. We did that last year. I don't know if you heard that pod, but we did like a parody of or like I, I asked questions to Chris Mooney, and it was really just quotes from uh, like little lines from Never Gonna Give You Up. But that wasn't an insult. Rick, Rick Astley's a good looking dude, even now. Oh, like, yeah. 25 30 years later like he's still a good looking dude so that's not an insult to chris mooney no it's not uh one one more question i have for you uh, the other day when i guess it was a couple weeks ago now jesus um i think we had to cancel a game it might have been the saint francis game so i live streamed i've been live streaming uh old bonnie games and i live streamed the a10 tournament game from 2018 when we beat richmond i was just did you follow the team then? Do you remember that? Because I hadn't watched it back, but I, I kind of want your perspective on that because it was the best second half I've ever seen us play. The best half I've ever seen us play. I don't know. It's probably tough for you to think back and remember it. I couldn't do it if someone was asking me to do it on another team. But I remember Matt Mobley hitting seven threes in a row in the second half, and we hit like our first 16 shots to to kick off the second half. So I, I don't know if you remember that game at all or not. It was was it in twenty eighteen or the twenty eighteen nineteen season? Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Twenty seventeen eighteen season. No, I, I would have still been in high school, so I probably couldn't have named a player on Richmond basketball back then. <laughs> you were well, alarmed you you because Gilliard and <laughs> Gilliard and Golden were starters, I think, even even then as freshmen. Yeah, Grant Golden's been starting for about ten years now. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's—he's like Rich, he's like Richmond's Perry Ellis. 
Yeah. I was going to say, yes. who do you think will end up starting more games? Perry Ellis for Kansas or Grant Golden for Richmond? Oh, Grant Golden. God, if that guy comes back with the extra yeah. year of eligibility, oh, yeah. how great would that be? He's going to be, be like, oh my gosh, that dude's going to be like 37 when he graduates or when he leaves school. <laughs> Yeesh. It's crazy. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of hope he does come back just because of the jokes and also because uh, we've been able to contain him. Hopefully contain him on the 20th. Hopefully for you that we don't, I guess, but for us, we hope we contain him on the 20th, but uh, Noah Goldberg uh, spider scoop podcast. Be sure to check it out, especially when we're on later on this month. Cause we're doing a home and home because mm-hmm. when we're at Richmond, you're on our podcast. Yeah. When you're at Bonas. We're on your podcast. So we're kind of doing a little home and home here, but Noah, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be, we'll have you back on again at some point. No problem. Hopefully I have more success when you guys hop on on turf than when the Bonnies hopped on the spider's turf today. Uh, we won't agree <laughs> with you on that. <laughs> <laughs>gotta give all the credit in the world to noah for coming on the pod literally minutes after lofton shot that takes a lot like if gilliard if the tables were turned and he wanted us to come on after a gilliard three like uh, oh shout out to shout out to noah would have been radio silence for my end if we would have lost like that i would i wouldn't have even recorded anything probably if we if we lost like that at least not until the next day but yeah so but he said he was coming on and he did and then we'll be on his podcast uh we're doing a home and home just like our teams are so in in, you know three weeks or so we'll be on there yeah and i forgot to mention his uh twitter handle at noah goldberg 10 great follow great dude if you want to keep in touch with not only just richmond but he does a lot of other stuff throughout the a10 and you know we may play richmond two more times who knows we're definitely playing them once you know as definite as we can be in covid but (laughs) we we could we could see them again in brooklyn and i wouldn't mind that like i mentioned before (laughs) No, and it's it's odd saying that because, you know, like I said, those are sometimes teams that we don't match up against. Uh, and there is a little rock, paper, scissors going on between Bonnie's, Richmond, and Davidson. Richmond beats Duke Davidson, but not us. We beat Richmond, but not Davidson. And it's just, you know, it, I don't know why, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that we are we're playing very well against Richmond because it's been what five straight and then we have a chance at six straight in a couple weeks. Yeah, exactly. But from one team that we kind of handle very closely to two teams that we absolutely slaughtered last year. We got GW and St. Joe's actually it's mm-hmm. flipped. St. Joe's is on Wednesday, GW is on Saturday. These yes. two teams were expected to be pillow fighters at the bottom four of the A10. St. Joe's right now is down there. GW, we mentioned earlier, is technically tied for second right now. We will see mm-hmm. how much that holds up. <laughs> but what do you think about these two matchups? Because unfortunately, I've watched both of these teams more than the Bonnie since we've only played four games and these teams have played like nine or ten. Yeah, I know. I remember watching, you know, George Washington is a team that I thought coming into the season, and I'm glad I didn't say this publicly, but I was like, this could be a dark horse because I liked the... I like the core that they had, you know, Jameer Nelson Jr. and uh, Battle and Chase Parr and some other guys uh, on their team were look like they could step in and be solid role players to play off of that core. Um, but since the start of the season, they've been pretty bad. I mean, they, they do have two wins in the conference, like we said earlier, against Fordham. And then today they barely won against Duquesne, but that's a good win. Um Having said that, they 
they're they're still pretty bad. And, and Jameer Nelson Jr. left the team a couple weeks ago. Uh, Maceo Jack left the team a couple weeks ago as well. So they're struggling, and um, e- even though they're two and one, they're struggling this season at three and seven. They're uh, two oh six and Ken Palm. Not to get too much into like stats and stuff with these teams, but um, I-, I just think in the Riley Center after that win that we had. Uh, we're going to be focused and we're going to take care of business and, and we we should against these types of teams. Yeah, but I will kind of play devil's advocate for GW because I am somebody who on Twitter was absolutely making fun of them left and right after Jameer Nelson Jr. left. And I'm like, these guys are going to be worse than Fordham. They are terrible. This and that mayhem is dead for GW's a new Fordham. And of course, they spanked Fordham, which, yeah, Fordham was playing the first game, but we know Fordham is not as good as they even were last year, which was terrible. But in watching GW in the two games this past weekend against Duquesne, they do look like they have more rhythm to their offense. And I think if somebody like James Bishop, who he has made some stupid plays in the end of games, but he hit a clutch three, almost as clutch as Lofton's in the win over Duquesne. He, if he goes off there, there could be some trouble for the Bonnies against GW. Um, Getting to back to St. Joe's with Ryan Daly, he's been out for a couple games with a thumb injury, and I haven't really noticed anybody on St. Joe's that could really overpower us if Ryan Daly were not to play. So I think if Ryan Daly's out, then I would feel very, 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 very comfortable. Yeah. And if Ryan Daly does play, I'll still feel comfortable, but definitely less so. And I think both teams have a guy that's similar to Tyler Burton, who who I thought was going to be a, a problem for us, and that's that six seven or six eight forward who can shoot um taylor funk is that guy for st joe's uh six eight he can shoot the ball he was five he had five threes against uh rhode island he had 29 points against rhode island and then for gw it's jameson battle six seven uh he can shoot the three he had six threes against duquesne uh, on sunday six of 13 he had 29 points so i mean these are two guys. Both had twenty nine points. They're they're bigger than our four uh, four spot. You know, with Attaway at six five, and they can stretch the floor. And if they get hot like they they were yesterday, they could give us some some issues. And that that's always that's a spot all season that I'm going to be worried about. But Attaway and Welch have stepped up defensively, so I I, I still like our chances. I think this is a game where. Oshun can have a bounce back performance or both these games really, because I'm just kind of skimming through these game logs from last season when we played both teams twice and he dominated um, the game at foggy bottom, 20 points, nine boards. And I think even the game in 2019, the season yes, before he, he had an even better game than that. Yep. And even these other games, 16 and seven, 12 and nine, 10 and four. And these were in blowouts where he probably, he only played like 30 minutes or so. So he got to rest. So I yeah. think the matchups down low with like long prey and par yeah. and Hunter Dean with, um, you know, par and Hunter Dean are for GW long prey for St. Joe's. I think there's a huge mismatch there yep. that we've exploited before. And I think, you know, if it ain't broke, <laughs> Hey, I, I completely agree. This is a, these are matchups that Oshun will take advantage of. I think, you know, uh, Rhode Island bigger and physical. They don't have a guy who's like six ten, but they got, they got physical guys down low, I think. And then, 
you know, Richmond with Grant Golden, he is one of the better bigs in the league. Those guys are much better than anyone that GW or, or uh, St. Joe's are rolling out at the five. So this is this is why Oshun has kind of dominated GW. Uh, send out Chase Parr and see what happens. Like I, I just think I just think he's gonna really really flourish um, if if he has struggled a little bit shooting uh, around the rim or, or what have you the last couple games. I think this could be when he gets into that rhythm and really gets some momentum for us heading into a, another tougher stretch in a couple weeks. Yeah, I think so because I would have taken a split out of these first two games, but now we really need to get a full head of steam. Cause we mentioned earlier St. Joe's and GW are our first next two games. And then after that at home, against or on the road against Fordham and then back at home again with Duquesne and Richmond before we play St. Louis and Davidson back to back on the road, although they're a week apart at least. So it's really important that we pile up these wins in the next two or so weeks when we get Richmond back in the Riley center, because that will really help us separate from the rest of the pack. And Mm -hmm. I hate saying it like this, but we do kind of have to take advantage of St. Louis and VCU being on pause because we don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out. So if we play these games, if they, if they get in right now, we got to take advantage and win. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And we don't have the luxury that we had last year. I, I feel like our schedule last year, we played eight games against the bottom four teams, it seemed like. Like we had a very favorable home and home matchup uh, for our five pairings. And we don't have that as much this year. Uh, we do have a couple weaker teams, but we play Richmond twice, we play St. Louis twice. We played Duquesne twice, who's pretty good. So when we do have GW and Fordham and St. Joe's on the schedule, we just have to win. It goes from a just win to a must win. By the way, noted that you didn't mention LaSalle. <laughs> the new media, <laughs> the new, I was going to say media darling, the new A10 Twitter darling LaSalle. <laughs> yeah. We only play them That's once true. and we play them in that stupid end of February situation. Like it's usually either the last February on mm. the road or the last Saturday in February on the road, or the last Wednesday, sometimes it's Ash Wednesday at the Riley Center. <laughs> and those yep. are usually like those trap games where we like barely win or, or oh, yeah. last year. So yeah, <laughs> that'll be fun. But yeah, we need to get these wins out of the way um, and just take care of business. All the cliches in the world, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, next, next, uh, what is it? Next Wednesday, or we'll have Fordham. And that's just another, another one. It's on the road. And, and last year we went into Fordham and we went to overtime against them and it was the ugliest game. It it made, it made that game against Rhode Island look like uh, a beautiful (laughs) NBA, like up-tempo game. Like it was, it was the ugliest game I've ever watched. And and I'm not exaggerating. I felt better after some Bonnie's losses. More yeah, than I, yeah. after that Fordham win. <laughs> that Fordham win, it I was, was just like, Jesus Christ. So gross in overtime in Fordham. So cannot cannot let them hang around again. My God, they're so nope. bad. And we got to take care of business with GW and St. Joe's this week. Thank you all so much for listening here on SB Unfurled and Friends. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already, at SB Unfurled, at X. Be sure to stay tuned to us. We will be back next week, and hopefully we're talking about the 3-in-1 Bonnies. Thanks for joining us. This is the